So as long as it's fair, as long as it's voluntary, inequality is fine. Inequality is great. We want those who succeed to be more rewarded than those who destroy value. But in the sense of our current environment, we have really sinister inequality. If everybody, you know, if, if the water's flowing and everyone is benefiting, right, everyone's cup is filled, um, people are happy, right? They have better things to do than to line up outside of someone's house and threaten to chop their head off. You know, I, I don't think we should be setting up guillotines anywhere. And that's, that's why I love Bitcoin. It's the peaceful revolution, right? Um, but why do people want to set up these guillotines? Because they know the system isn't working. It started to make a lot of sense to me that if we fixed money, we fixed so many problems in society. And so as a technology person, I was like, what should I be working on that's more important than this? this is, there's nothing more important than this. Hello and welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today I have on Hannah Rosenberg, who is the founder and director of Velos Commerce. I found her on Udemy when I was doing a course on how to accept Bitcoin as a business. I'd been running a BTC pay server for a while and I just wanted to know a little bit more about uh, BTC pay server and she did a really good breakdown of how and why you should accept Bitcoin in the course. And she even gave me a link that where you can get the course for $12.99, which is just a steal. It is worth it. It's the price of a burrito. Go get it. I hope you enjoy this conversation. All righty, and we're recording. Welcome to the podcast, Hannah. Good to have you. Thanks. Good to be here. So you have a lot of experience in uh with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And I know I was listening to one of your talks earlier. You said you got into it in 2012. What what initially sparked your interest with it? Uh, well, I am um, have a degree in economics and became really interested in monetary theory. Um, and then when kind of found, you know, realized the impact on the world that monetary policy has and all these things, I became really uh, interested in alternative currencies. So I was following that stuff for a while, and then it was actually um, back in 2011, my favorite podcast, econtalk.org, um, interviewed, I can't even remember who, and did an episode on Bitcoin. And I, I thought it was complete nonsense, magic internet money backed by nothing. And I listened to it for about 10, 15 minutes, and then just turned it off, like, this is rubbish, forget it. <laughs> Um, but then it wouldn't go away. Um, and so about in mid 2012, I was actually doing some um, web dev work and it was just sitting there going like, can I set up a server and run a website entirely anonymously? How can I make that happen? You know, like, how am I going to pay for a server anonymously? <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, hold on, I'm going to try this Bitcoin thing. And um, then I really sat down and actually read what it was and, and, and the whole decentralization thing. Once I got that, it was just, you know, mind blown and been in love ever since. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of people would uh, hear you say something like running a website uh, anonymously and think that you're up to no good. Why, what are the benefits of doing something like that? Um, so yeah, I wasn't, wasn't up to anything crazy. I was actually, um, just, uh, running, um, 
uh, a little blog talking about, you know, monetary sort of stuff, you know, it's a very, very niche little thing. And it was more an exercise in privacy, right? So, um, you know, being very concerned with privacy and privacy on the internet and what happens with our data. It wasn't really that I was hiding anything, just that I was running an experiment. Is it possible to run that type of way, that blog of mine um, entirely anonymously? And um, yeah, paying for things was, it was a huge problem. How do you pay for things on the internet without just giving everyone your information, right? You know, so that was, that was interesting. And that's where, um, Bitcoin had a lot of utility, but no, I wasn't doing anything terribly exciting. I was, you know, posting WordPress blog posts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's something that's really interesting. Well, I'm, I'm a big advocate for privacy and I oftentimes refer back to the cypherpunk manifesto where it outlines yes. the difference between privacy and secrecy and, uh, yeah, privacy is something that's really important. And I, when I explain it to people, I say things like, you know, do you want to be watched at all times of the day? You know, why do you have walls around your house instead of just windows? Um, you know, things like that. It doesn't mean that you're up to no good. It's just like there's certain things that people should know and certain things that you don't want people to know. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing bad things. But yeah. And privacy is hard to explain. And that's one of my favorite um, examples that tell people, well, uh, if you're not doing anything bad in your house, why do you have curtains on your windows? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. like, like, just give them that. But then it's also been interesting with um, uh, the political climate at the moment. I had a conversation yesterday um, with a friend and he'd heard me ramble on many times about privacy and, and being concerned about, you know, privacy online and encryption and all this. He's like, ah, you're crazy. Yeah, who cares? And then because of everything that's happening um, in politics today in the States and how, you know, a lot of social media platforms are kind of downplaying things or not directly censoring them, but hiding them, putting warnings on them and all these types of things. And he's starting, um, he a lot of his content's gotten flagged and suppressed and all this sort of stuff. And he, even in like some messaging apps he's using, you know, links are hidden or not, you know, um, displayed. Uh, he, and now all of a sudden he's getting it. He's like, oh, okay, I think you are right. This is important. <laughs> mm -hmm. I need to worry about end-to-end -end encryption and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of this stuff online, if it's not directly impacting you, it's like, whatever, I don't care. I'll go with convenience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Privacy, unfortunately, is something that's very inconvenient. And uh... with current tech it's you can do it it's just such a pain in the butt and then I mean even like I don't do it the way I should and I I know how to I'm entirely you know capable of doing it but it's just exhausting to do it consistently you know mm -hmm. yeah and our governments are talking about ending end-to-end -end encryption which is kind of a crazy topic and um so yeah uh did did bitcoin um, turn you into a libertarian? No. Um, I think I had those leanings long before then. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, well, I think, um, 
You know, I, I think libertarian probably is a pretty good label, but I struggle with labels because whenever you, mm -hmm. you say that word, then you're triggering all of the associated things in someone else's head and you have no idea what that is. <laughs> you know? yeah. A lot of yeah. people seem to think that, you know, conservative or Republican and libertarian go together. And I'm just like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, um, but I would say that where I was at, especially when I found Bitcoin, is I was thinking a real lot about concentrations of power. And I had just read this very interesting book about just day-to-day -day life in like East Germany, um, you know, during that whole time and how, you know, it's, it's one of really things that, that fascinates me about, you know, communism or socialism, it's supposed to be power to the people, but it winds up being exactly the opposite where it's like the highest concentration of power you know, that I, we've ever perhaps humans have seen in, a, in some sort of societal setup, you know, like you don't get control over anything in your life. Um, and so I was really thinking a lot about that. And then that was very much in my mind when I found Bitcoin or when I really dove into Bitcoin. And then I realized, oh, it's, it's decentralization of power. It's, mm -hmm. you know, no one can have this power. It is actual real power to the people. And that was just, yeah, I was in love. So, yeah yeah it's it's a very empowering technology um yeah for a variety of reasons i mean one of the biggest reasons why is the fact that it's not constantly getting debased and it's really hard to confiscate um it really changes the the uh and and you're living in chicago yeah, which is one of the yeah, yeah you're living in which is one of the craziest uh, local governments as far as them being completely broke and having lots of taxes and trying to, yeah. Yeah, and it's concerning because um, I just don't know how they're gonna keep things going. And especially, you know, uh, I mean, something's gonna break. It already is pretty broken and, but it's, it's like the, the shit will really hit the fan at some point before too long. And it's, it's very concerning. And, um, you know, the pensions are a big problem. They've just made all kinds of promises that they can't keep. And if they renege on any of those, a lot of people are gonna be very rightly, very, very angry and it could get ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't imagine what it'd be like to work my whole life expecting um, retirement. That's the deal you sign up for. And if someone mm -hmm. takes that away, I mean, I would be pissed too. You know? yeah. But they just, they, I don't know how they're going to get out of it because, you know, they, they're being a local government. They can't print their way out of it like, you know, the national government can. Um, you know, they can issue bonds for stuff, you know, they can, you know, create more debt, but at some point that where, you know, that's going to go away. They're not going to be able to do that anymore. So I don't know. I mean, in, in the timing, like you and me, we can look at this and we can say that, okay, clearly this is unsustainable. Many people can look at this and say, clearly this is unsustainable, but it, the timing is so difficult. Like when does it implode? Is it next week or is it 20 years from now? It's somewhere between there <laughs> and when, who knows? It's, it's, there's so many variables. It's really very hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Stephanie Kelton would disagree with you. Oh yeah. How so? <laughs> yeah. She always says this thing that like, uh, government debt is different than consumer debt. Um, I, I won't go into it too much because it just doesn't deserve to be talked about. I don't think in this conversation, but, ah. um, yeah. 
it's just nonsense. But yeah, I mean, the system's going to implode. It's like modern monetary theory. Is that what yep. we're getting into? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. The stuff that Which, um, makes me, it's cringy. Um, uh, magic money. This time it will work. I, all the other times it didn't work, but this time it yeah. will work. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, work, it, it works for all the people in power at the expense of everybody it else. It works for a period of time, you know? And then um, I just finished reading um, a book, uh, When Money Dies, about the uh, inflation in Germany um, between the world wars. It's really interesting. And, you know, those monetary collapse has so much to do with people's expectations, you know? So if you have people's expectations on the old, older, more stable system, like you can get away with some stuff for a while. And then once those expectations flip, like, yeah, you're done. But, you know, it, people can get away with it for a lot longer than you'd think. You know, yeah. I'm just so surprised that things have lasted as long as they have. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh... – that that piece of history is, I think, one of the more important pieces of history to study because, you know, World War II is taught a lot and focused a lot on in school, um, but the mon money aspect of it isn't. So, like, what were the circumstances that led to the Nazis? Um, hyperinflation creates chaos. Failures of money create chaos and creates... Um, circumstances where the Nazis can come into power and a lot of people just don't realize how fragile the system is and how dangerous that is um, and yeah yeah and that was you know when I was reading that book the whole time through I was just thinking yeah like how much did this contribute to <clears throat> to World War II and that's very debatable and very complicated but it sure as hell didn't help the situation <laughs> yeah um and then how would this have been different had something like Bitcoin existed you know at what point would people have been willing to try it how would it change the incentives and people's behavior and it, it's a very interesting thought experiment yeah, yeah. we might get a more real experiment at some point soon. Yeah. yeah yeah it's a pretty I, I think one of the things that if it wasn't for Bitcoin, I'd probably be pretty depressed right now. Uh, but because of Bitcoin, I feel like I, I have a sense of like purpose and, and meaning in my life to like try and help people find a better form of money. Something and, that's hopeful. Yeah. And genuinely helpful and a powerful tool and something you can contribute to because it's this open system that anyone can contribute to. And it's really, it's really fantastic that way. It's awesome. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are the things that you're really passionate about? I, I've been doing your Udemy course and been enjoying it because I've awesome. been trying to understand BTC pay server a little bit better. I've been running one for a while. Um, but uh, why, why do you think it's important for businesses to consider accepting Bitcoin as a payment? All right, so we're gonna go more into monetary theory and philosophy here, but this is why um, I, so because, well, I fell in love with crypto, uh, Bitcoin specifically, um, when looking at it as this, this tool for decentralization of power, right? Once you realize the incredible power that monetary theory, monetary policy, or that central bank um, gives, you know, the, the ruling class um, over uh, an economy and, you know, that 
population, that incredible concentration of power is really a huge concern to me. Mm -hmm. um, and Bitcoin essentially um, has the potential, what it'll actually do, we don't know, but it has the potential to uh, take away that massive concentration of power that governments get from being able to, to do monetary policy. Um, and I finding that to be in general, uh, fewer concentrations of power to be a very good thing for humanity. So, but to, how does, you know, Bitcoin actually, or any crypto, because um, Bitcoin is my favorite, but I'm not a maximalist. Um, <laughs> so how does, uh, you know, how does Bitcoin achieve that? Right. Well, it achieves it when it actually is, you know, properly used as money. Right. So not just when it's a store of value, although it is a great store of value. So people want to use it that way. Awesome. Um, but it's also when it's medium of exchange and then sort of the final goal is when it gets to that unit of account. Right. Um, and then I think once you have a unit of account that is this, you know, if you have it, a unit of account that's maybe Bitcoin, maybe something else, but it is this, you know, global, you know, non-manipulatable, so that's the word, um, you know, just decentralized ledger. If you have that as a unit of account, people actually using this stuff, then monetary theory, monetary policy as we know it uh, is gone, right? So to me, you know, uh, Bitcoin is a, crypto is a tool for the decentralization of, of power, a powerful one, but it doesn't really achieve that unless we're actually really using it. So this is why I'm so enthusiastic about people actually using crypto. Um, but I think it's a long road from where we are to achieving that, depending on, you know, a thousand variables, but yeah. Yeah, I love spending Bitcoin and I've had a uh, um, major shift where I stay out of fiat currencies as much as possible uh, for ideological reasons. Um, but also it's just, right. it's, I, I think it's just so broken and Bitcoin is better. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't want to spend their Bitcoin, which makes sense at the moment. Um, but I, I totally agree with yeah. you that until people start are willing to spend it, it's it's not going to really reach its total potential. And that's it's not going to reach its full potential. And I don't know, it's, it's complicated stuff. And we're always, you know, people, a lot of people in the states, you know, tend to analyze this stuff with a very, very U.S. first world perspective. Right. And then they're looking at all oh, these assets and blah, blah, blah. But it, 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 it's a global thing. So if even if you have you try and wrap your head around all the variables in the states, right, you can't possibly wrap your head around all the variables in the world. So it's really hard to know how this all plays out. But huge potential there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you what do you think the so you talk about BTC pay server in your Udemy course. Um, and yep. one of the aspects of BTC pay server is privacy. Uh, why, why would that be important for a business owner to have some privacy and for consumers, mm. I would say? Um, for ugly scenarios, but that aren't, um, so the classic example um, is 
sort of censorship of things that are currently um, politically unpopular, right? And the classic example there is way back, I can't even remember when, probably 2012 or 2013, that like WikiLeaks, um, all the major credit card companies, you know, shut off um, connections, you know, you couldn't donate to WikiLeaks, but that's when they started accepting Bitcoin, right? So it's why a business would want to be private. I mean, it's, there, there are so many variables, you know, maybe you're in a small town in the Bible Belt and you're selling adult toys. Like, I don't know, like, you know, um, maybe what you're doing is not politically popular at the moment. And, um, or maybe you're in a part of the world that it just has a very, very corrupt government and, you know, even doing your business, you know, maybe you're in some sort of dictatorship somewhere. Um, so there's a wide variety of reasons. And I think, you know, generally, at least in the States, the moment well, it may be changing when so when you say privacy, people are like, oh, tax evasion, you know, and that might not be the motivations at all. Yeah, there's a wide variety of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. There's some pretty uh, strict uh, reporting laws uh, when it comes to payments. So I know, like for cash payments, um, certain payments above a certain price, I think it's like $10,000, but I can't remember off the top of my head, have to be reported. Um, $10,000 is when anything going through a bank that's over $10,000, at least that wasn't what it was. I might've even changed that. Um, but it's $10,000. Then if you, anything over that, then you're going to have to, you know, maybe file a suspicious activity report. Like there's all these requirements. And I think, yeah. So cash is, you know, much harder. Like there might be theoretically limits on that too. Like, but it's obviously a lot harder to enforce. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what it, it comes down to. And it's important to, to focus on this and in, in these types of conversations or just in general is that if you give the government power, certain powers, they have the potential to abuse it. And even if, you know, they don't, you're relying on these individuals character and uh, uh, it's one thing. scary. And then go ahead. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we know is that, you know, a lot of our elected officials just, don't have the best character. <laughs> like it's been pretty apparent. There's been a lot of abuse. That's concerning. But what's so funny is that everyone has like their guy, their team, you know, and it's, and when their guy's in power, it's like, give him all the power, you know, give him all the stuff. And then when the other guy's in power, it's like, oh no, he's a dictator. It's like, well, who set this up? <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, maybe people will start to see that now that if we, I don't know. Everyone was concerned about, a lot of people I know were concerned about um, executive branch powers uh, when Trump was in office, you know, and I wonder if they'll still hold that concern when Biden's in office, you know, mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when Obama was in office and the people on the right were comparing him to Hitler and it was um, just as ridiculous as uh, it's been since Trump's been in office, but yeah, it's, it, it is funny, like the level of cognitive dissonance that people have where it, yeah. it, it's pretty wild to watch that happen. Um, oh, it's gotten so bad. And even if I like, I'm not at all a Trump fan or supporter, but you know, 
even if I'm like on social media and just uh, question some logic, like, like be like, well, you know, there was this one thing Trump did that wasn't horrible. And it's just like, I'm, I'm, you know, supporting genocide. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, no. I just had a question. So it's gotten really intense, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the, the things that I think is really powerful about something like Bitcoin is that you can just completely step outside the system uh, and opt mm -hmm. out and do something meaningful. Like one, yeah. like if you're participating in it, it'll completely change your financial health, I think, because the money is not just be and give you a different perspective on your finances. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't know what sort of questions you had uh, planned here, but if you're, you know, working with, um, you know, Bitcoin crypto adoption as well, I would love to talk about my favorite topics is why don't we have crypto commerce yet? And when, how will we ever have crypto commerce? Go for it. These are things to dive into. All right. Well, I'd love to, I'll give you my current list and I'd love to hear your commentary on this. If you're, you know, out talking to people about using crypto as well. All right. So I mean, you and me, like also I'm, um, I'm a developer, um, done a lot of e-commerce web dev stuff. And so I look at like credit cards, right? And I go, this, oh, this tech sucks, right? I mean, credit cards just weren't made for the internet. I mean, it's, it's awful. It'd be like trying to pay someone with Bitcoin and just like handing them your private key and being like, please only take 20, you know, $20 <laughs> worth of Bitcoin out of this wallet. Thank you. <laughs> and just hold on to my private key <laughs> yeah. in case I want to come back and buy more later. So it's just an awful, awful setup, right? Um, so, you know, we see the monetary uh, advantages, we see the tech advantages, and then we go, why the heck is, are people not using it, right? Like I set up my business back in 2014 and I'm like, I'm just gonna help everyone accept crypto. And then you go out and talk to people about it and there's a lot of resistance, right? A lot of concern, a lot of reasons why it hasn't happened yet. So I think looking over that, I think one of the primary reasons, again, with the very US focus or US-based perspective, um, taxes are just prohibitively tedious in the US, um, which is really quite a shame because, um, um, you know, I, in case anyone watching isn't familiar in the US, it's taxed via capital gains. So essentially, anytime you spend Bitcoin, you're selling Bitcoin, which is a taxable event. And it's not even that the taxes are that horribly high. It's just that keeping a track of all of that, you know? And it damages the fungibility of Bitcoin. You know, when did I buy that Bitcoin versus when did I spend it, you know? Um, so that's a big problem. Uh, there are some, you know, especially if you're using an exchange, there's all kinds of programs that will calculate your taxes for you, some wallets that will do it for you. But it's, it's a big concern and quite a pain in the butt. Um, and another problem for people, although this is becoming less and less so, uh, is volatility, right? Like just the massive swings in price. And um, I remember talking to a woman running a restaurant who was accepting Bitcoin back in, I want to say 2013 and had a chat with her. And she was just, she's like, yeah, this is great. You know, and we take it and we've got like this boost in um, customers coming in because there's crypto people that are really enthusiastic mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, but we're really scared to hold on to it. 
you know, it's so volatile. What if I take in a thousand dollars worth of sales in Bitcoin one day, and then I'm two days later, the price drops. Now I only, oh, that's I only actually got $500 worth of sales, you know, like it's, it creates a real, if you're trying to run a business, denominating thing, nominating things in, in crypto or in Bitcoin, it's, it creates a real operational problem for you. Mm-hmm. Right? And there are things you can do now. Like I'm not the hugest fan of stable coins because it doesn't help achieve the crypto dream that I have in mind. But you know, it, it can be a valuable tool um, for someone who wants to move away from fiat, but has operational issues that the volatility um, makes a headache for them. Sure. So there's that one. Um, and, and then it's just the uh, having to hold on to it yourself um, and secure it yourself is really frightening. You know, if you drop your wallet and lose your debit card, you just call the bank. You know, if you drop your treasure down a sewer drain somewhere, like there's no one to call. Yeah. So it's, it's that frightening. Um, you know, but it's a you flip side of the coin, right? You know, it's all that power and all that responsibility. So for some people, you know, they're just like, uh, you know, and, and, the tech really isn't that user friendly yet. So they're just like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not ready to take on that role of, you know, being, you know, security, uh, IT security expert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, okay, understand. Even though hardware wallets are pretty good now, but you know, but the number one reason, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think is the number one reason we don't have more crypto commerce? Well, I think There's like the number more. one. I think you touched on it earlier. Yeah, but go ahead. When, when I'm talking to normal people about Bitcoin, uh, I think the number one thing that I uh, pick up on is that people have no clue what money is and they have no idea yes. how the current monetary system is not serving them. And they just, it's, guy, I had Guy Swan on the podcast and, and he said people don't understand money because one, it's not talked about. And then two, it's like uh, water to fish, you know, people just use it and they don't really take the time to think about it. Um, yes. So I, I think that's the biggest adoption because it, or, or biggest reason why it's not adopted, because if people had like firm understanding of what money is there, they'd be like, I'm going to ditch this garbage for something that's a million times better <laughs> and serves me better. And- no. Uh, yeah. Now that's definitely accurate. It's just a lot of people just don't, yeah, it's just something that's around them and they never really stop um, to think about it and to think about how it functions and how it impacts the world around them and themselves and their own finances. But even once you get past that, let's say you have someone who does understand that impact. Are you familiar with Gresham's Law? Can you explain it? Um, Gresham's law is the idea that bad money drives out good. Yeah. And I think, um, this is, you know, the number one reason at the moment we don't have more crypto commerce because there's a decent amount of people now thinking again from a Western perspective, there's a decent amount of people. I know, I know the population is pretty big people that are, do understand the importance of these things and are crypto fans, but they're, they're all hodlers, right? They're all holding on to their coins. And this is Gresham's law. You know, if I, I have, you know, 
I go to the store, they're going to take US dollars or Bitcoin, US dollars. Ooh, this one, I don't trust that it. it's going down in value. This one's really interesting and keeps going up in value. Uh, take the US dollars, yeah, get rid of that. Um, and so this is why I, I think that I'm really optimistic about crypto commerce and about us all using crypto in commerce and, and, and Bitcoin really achieving that potential. Um, but I think we're a ways off because we're a long ways off getting over that, right? People going, uh, well, I'll just take my US dollars, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people point to countries that have experienced super hyperinflation like Venezuela and Iran or Lebanon as Bitcoin being the perfect use case in those countries. But even still, they're slow to adopt it. Uh, even though there's like a desperate need, you know, they'll always turn to uh, like the US dollar or more yes. stable fiat currencies first. A huge education problem. So I actually had a friend of a friend um, who was in Venezuela. This is a couple of years ago and things were really heating up and getting really bad. Um, and in, she was in a bad way because the money was worth nothing. And this is like a, a woman that worked at a university and educated, you know, like you would think upper middle class, you know, and she's like, I, I can't, I can't buy food. You know? mm -hmm. And so I was talking to this friend whose friend it was, it's like, can you tell her about Bitcoin, <laughs> you know? And, and they're like, no, like I've tried, she doesn't understand, she's not tech savvy, you know, that that education was just a huge hurdle in that situation, you know? Yeah, yeah, that generational gap is is really interesting. Uh, um, you're a web developer, I, I had a web developer on the show, and one of the things she talked about was like older generations uh, are having to are really being forced to do things like create a website for the first time or open a bank account and, you know, do these things that are not that difficult, uh, but they're very resistant to it because there is that deep learning curve. But one of the interesting things is like, there's people that will never, well, one, never grow up without an iPhone in their hand. And then two, never use cash, <laughs> like ever. Like yes. I almost, I almost never use cash and I've almost never used cash in my life. Um, and I'm not that, I'm not super, super young, but um, I'm pretty young, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest, well, I think one of the biggest, you touched on a, a real use case for uh, accepting Bitcoin and what, I think that is 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 really capturing niche or niche niche communities um, of people that want to go and spend it uh, that otherwise you wouldn't attract because I know like you know there's tons of restaurants that are out there that I would go to solely for the purpose of being able to spend my Bitcoin uh, there mm -hmm. and then you know so one these businesses would be capturing a new audience and then two. Um, it'd probably be addition to normal, their normal customers. So then you could just take that money and set it aside as like a savings, uh, which I think is one of the most interesting things that's happened in 2020 is how many different businesses have started setting Bitcoin aside, whether it's micro strategy or 
um, square or even Very smaller bit. Yeah. But that's still solidly in the store of value category, right? That's mm -hmm. people saying, oh, things might get bad with the U.S. or the global financial system, so we're just going to keep hold on to this store of value. Um, and I think for businesses, it makes a ton of sense to accept crypto, and they're generally really happy to do so. The hard part is the market that is willing to spend the crypto, mm -hmm. right? So I have a friend who runs... Um, runs a business and uh, she accepts crypto and she said she's a huge crypto fan. She's like, yeah, I'm so happy to do it. I've got it all set up and all the stuff. We rarely get anyone to come in willing to, to spend it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the problem. It's an easy sell for a business saying, hey, there's this new way to take money and it's probably going to go up in value. And you're like, oh, sweet, store. Um, it's a harder sell, uh, to, to, it's a harder to find that market of people willing to spend. So. I've thought a lot about this, like how would this, this happen? Where in the world might crypto adoption happen and what niche communities and how? Um, and there are things that would help a lot, like if we got a tax exemption, you know, in the States, you know, maybe, you know, I think Coin Center's been trying to work on that one for years, who knows if it'll actually happen. Um, those sorts of things would be really helpful. I think though with crypto, because of the Gresham's Law stuff, it's only going to take off, at least um, this is assuming in the States and before or without a huge financial crisis, right? <laughs> which who knows what's going to happen there. But before financial crisis in the States, the Gresham's law is going to be pretty powerful. And no one, I don't think that that, that market, that big market of, of people who are willing to spend crypto isn't going to happen unless you have a place where a situation where crypto is the only way to do what you want to do. You know, that's where it's going to thrive. Now, the cool thing is, is that crypto, because it is such awesome tech, there are things you can do with it that you just absolutely can't do anywhere else, right? So I like the Lightning Network. Um, I follow that one pretty closely. Um, and with Lightning, you can do things like streaming APIs and micropayments and all of this stuff. It, it, it's just, for a variety of reasons, is never going to happen. Um, with credit cards, with other forms of, of bank transfers. Um, so with that, um, I think there's big opportunity for that sort of killer app to come along. You know, someone's going to make some really interesting streaming, there's something that relies on a streaming API, and then all of a sudden everyone's, you know, using crypto maybe even without realizing it. Um, another really interesting way is gaming. Um, I have two kids, um, one of who's like a huge gamer, and she's just, you know, in front of her computer all day showing me like the points she has in this game and the, the you know, new things she bought with her points from in that other game, you know, and, and just the whole, um, while this stuff doesn't really, you know, excite me, you know, it's like, the, uh, I have a lot of respect for Ethereum and the whole non-fungible tokens and all this sort of stuff. It's not really why I put my efforts into, but there's a really interesting on-ramp into crypto there, right? Imagine buying things in video games with, you know, a token based on, you know, some Ethereum smart contract. Um, and, and that's something you just can't do, um, you know, with, with standard servers and standard um, game development. So that might create a massive on-ramp of people that hold crypto and that have a demand for crypto for these specific sort of things. Um, so that's, that's really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, micropayments as well is something I've dug a lot into and I think might be um, an interesting avenue for actual crypto commerce. Um, yeah, and then absolutely. The idea of financial collapse. If we have financial collapse, then, you know, <laughs> all bets are off. But yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the killer apps or dApps or whatever you want to call them is a really interesting use case. And there, there's some that I'm pretty excited about. So, and I'm not going to talk about DeFi because I'm not excited about that yet. But um, uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited about DeFi long term, not right mm -hmm. now, not so much right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Brave Browser is one of the coolest use cases uh, for crypto. And that's and that micropayments for content type stuff. Yeah. Like I've gotten, I've had so much trouble getting my friends into Bitcoin, but I've had a really easy time getting people on Brave Browser. Um, and, and unfortunately, humans being what they are, right, I think mass adoption doesn't happen unless we get that financial collapse, which would be the ugly way to do it. Or you get that, just that cool new app that everyone wants to use and you mm -hmm. just push the buttons and they don't even know it's crypto or maybe they know, but mm -hmm. it's, it's easy because it's just like, no, 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 look here, just download this and push this button. There you go. Mm -hmm. You know, when we get there, then we really get crypto commerce the way I would like it to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then as far as the lightning network, there's a, uh... Uh, Peter McCormick, uh, I forgot the guy's name. He's, I should know this, but he's the father of podcasting. But there, there's a app out there called Sphinx that uses the Lightning Network, um, and you load some sats on it, and it pays uh, the podcast creators as you stream uh, the podcast, just like little little amounts. And I think that's one of the one of the cooler use cases, and and really like promotes like uh, the decentralization because what we're seeing just with every single technology out there, whether it's social media or just the internet in general is it's growing more centralized and that's how podcasting is. Um, you know, there's a few big players. There's like iHeart, Spotify, um, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, um, which kind of defeats the purpose of, of podcasting in general, because if you, you know, people can just get deplatformed and censored um, arbitrarily, it's kind of problematic. And no, I'm not arguing for it white is. supremacists to be podcasting. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, no, it's, it's just, yeah, it is, it is very problematic. And um, yeah, that's it, exactly the type of use case, you mm -hmm. know, that, uh, that I think might really um, wind up being that killer app, especially with the growing amount of people concerned about censorship on big social media platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things that I would bring up is like, if Martin Luther King Jr. was alive today, he would have been deplatformed. Like, Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and aggressively and, you know, like, yeah. But people, yeah. it's, when people get caught up in the, the moment, the frenzy of my guy versus your guy, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that's really interesting. Uh, human tribalism. Uh, do you think that's something that's going to prevent decentralization or encourage it? <sighs> um, 
Okay, so it, it both, depending on the situation. Um, if, you know, someone in the opposing tribe is using this tech, then I'm gonna be against it. And, but suddenly if it benefits my tribe, then I'm all for it. The really interesting thing about Bitcoin is just it gets the game theory so right so often <laughs> that probably it won't be too long before all the tribes are like, no, this helps us too. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. So I, I see it um, not winding up being a huge impediment, but at times it does, you know, I mean, it's, ah, what if, you know, China, well, they wouldn't do anything open or decentralized at all, but, you know, they're working on digital currency stuff and, and you know, then does that make it, you know, a bad tool and we should all hate it because, you know, some people, China's the bad guy. Um, so, yeah, but in the end, I think Bitcoin still went on that one. Yeah, I think one of the, the most interesting things of 2020 has been these decentralized protests that have happened, uh, whether it's Antifa, which nobody can really like pin down or define, or the Boogaloo Boys, or just that that's kind of a growing trend that um, these groups are so decentralized. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it that's is. interesting too, because that is also a very tribalist sort of thing. But then, in mm -hmm. in a decentralized organization, it's interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just one of the uh, impacts of the internet is people uh, are able to connect where they couldn't previously. Were uh, one of the biggest barriers was just uh, space. Because like we're talking across the country right now about kind of a niche, uh, strange idea that's not very mainstream right. yet, and right, yeah. Um, what what has been the most exciting thing for you in twenty twenty? Uh, uh, that uh, my everyone in my family is still gainfully employed. <laughs> We're doing fine, <laughs> but nice. no, as far as like the crypto space, um, the thing I'm most optimistic about is I'm starting to see um, renewed interest and renewed growth in, in crypto. Um, so things were down for a while. Um, I'm starting to see, I'm very optimistic about um, the activity in 2021, like next year, what's going to go on um, from a technical point of view, I've um, lightning is what I'm most into at the moment and most enthusiastic about. Um, I think there's just so much potential there and I'm really excited to see a lot of really quality work going into building that out and I've been following that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, what are some of the best ways for people to get involved on the lightning network? So it kind of it entirely depends on what their their existing skill set is and, and what they have an appetite for and an interest in. I'd say one of the best things to do is just try it. You know, it's definitely the place to start. Um, maybe if you're a technically inclined person, set up a lightning node, play with it a bit, do some transactions. Um, lightning is super cool tech, but is a ways off of that sort of, you know, usability 
or that you know uh, killer app, that mainstream killer app. Um, but if you're curious, I think just using it is is a great thing to do. Just try it out, use it, set it up, explore the different options. I love that um, people make all kinds of weird little things that you can do on Lightning. What was that one where it's like you you go there and like send a couple satoshis or whatever it was, and it like they had it rigged up where you like had a camera looking at some chickens, and when you sent a transaction, like it dropped some pellets and fed the chickens. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny! Silly little thing. Yeah, but it was just a fantastic um you know demonstration of something you can do with lightning that like you're not going to do that with anything else you know um and just cool little things like that you know i'd say just whatever whatever you're into like that was someone who's a tech nerd who loves lightning who just happened to have some chickens in their yard you know so take wherever you're at there and just like you know just exploring that stuff um and playing with it. And even if you make something that's, you know, not the killer app and not a hugely useful thing, I mean, it, it's just, it demonstrates the potential and it's a lot of fun to play with and it inspires other things. And so just dive in and tinker, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I finally, I've been slow to adopting the lightning and I am waiting uh, impatiently for uh, the Noddle Dojo to arrive. I ordered one last week. Um, I'm pretty excited. I I tried to sit down and set up a lightning note on my Raspberry Pi, which was a major headache. Um, I did that a couple of years ago. I have a whole blog post about it, and I start my blog post by being like, I set this up. You can do it. I do not recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, you can do it. I did it. I sent transactions, open channels from my Raspberry Pi Lightning node, but it's just the it's the hoops you have to jump through. Like you either have to have you know a pruned node, or you have to connect a hard drive, like the the processor, and like you have to make all kinds of optimizations so that processor can even keep up with what's going on. And it was anyhow, that's good. Yeah. That's good fun to tinker though. Cause you really start to understand what's going on when you have to mm -hmm. set it up on that level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I did learn a lot from doing that. Yeah. It, it's a lot harder than just downloading uh, Bitcoin core and running a note on like an old laptop or something. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> Linux yes. is a Linux yeah. is a monster that I've been terrified of <laughs> tying into. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just got no safety rails, right? You type the wrong thing in and kaboom. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I probably spent like 40 hours staying up till like five in the morning trying to get this thing running and finally gave up. I tried doing it on Ubuntu, yeah. Raspberry Blitz, old. Somebody listening to this might be laughing at me right now, um, which is fine. <laughs> I can laugh at myself too. No, it's fine because even doing that like you don't you learn so much right mm -hmm. about how lightning works about how these computer systems work like it's a fantastic experiment to run um you know just to uh to see how it all works and get such a more clear picture in your head of what's going on but this mm -hmm. stuff is why i say like we're still ways off this because it's not user friendly and of course it was oh god i don't know a couple of years ago now right when lightning first came out i think when lnd um, first came out, and me and um, a friend of mine who's also a developer, right? You know, we just got on a chat together. And we're gonna, you know, went on testnet and we're gonna install our lightnings and figure it out and send our first lightning transaction. We just sent it to each other, and this is 
two developers, right? Two very crypto savvy developers. And it took us like two hours to figure out how to send each other a transaction on Lightning, you know? And this was a couple of years ago, but you're just looking at that, you know, like how many developers does it take to use Lightning? <laughs> and until that goes down to zero, right? You know, it's, we're gonna be a ways off that mass adoption. But we're getting yeah. there. Yeah, and that's sort of the, you talked about like the game theory of Bitcoin. Uh, being so perfectly right and i think that's one of the craziest things is the amount of money that's going into development of bitcoin services like you know paypal's doing fake bitcoin but you know the fact that they're even doing it is pretty I'm crazy still, like i i see all people on twitter and they're bashing on that and like fair enough and it's very good to tell people okay this is custodial like you know not your mm -hmm. keys not your coins like that's a very important thing to tell people but i'm still to me, that's incredibly bullish, right? Mm -hmm. All these people out there that, you know, even if they're not doing it, you know, the right way, um, it, it's there, that's a huge on-ramp, you know? And then it, once people get, it's just that, that psychological thing of getting comfortable with it, you know? <clears throat> and I think even um, for merchants, like you can, using the PayPal thing, you can send Bitcoin. You're not actually sending Bitcoin on the back end. But just that psychological thing of I'm going to hold Bitcoin and use Bitcoin and send Bitcoin. Um, that's if PayPal can help get people over that hurdle, like they've done the crypto space a massive favor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you excited about uh, our new Bitcoin senator that just got uh, elected? Is this, did I see some clip about a lady in Wyoming? Yep. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah Cynthia Loomis. Clip. Yes. Now I, I actively avoid politics, but I did run across that clip um, on Twitter somewhere, I think. And I was like, ah, oh, cool. Like she kind of knows what's going on. That's awesome. I don't, I still think the momentum of the system, which the way it is, it's like not like this one senator is going to come in and cause some massive change. But it just goes to show that it's, it's, you know, I think especially we're headed for a new, um, a new bull run and a new wave of enthusiasm and hype. Um, and this just really shows how it just slowly creeps more and more into the mainstream. Um, mm -hmm. so that's, that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. That goes. Yeah. I just had a friend who's a no, no coiner call me out of the blue to tell me he's uh, taking his whole 401k and putting it into Bitcoin. And I thought that was crazy. Just well, if he's like 22, that might be fine. If he's 52, maybe advise him against that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't give financial advice, um, but I told him that yeah, I... Yeah, it's risky. I did. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like... I feel like it makes a lot of sense seeing the current state of things like with, with the stock market and just how much of a Ponzi scheme it is. Like it's, uh, the, I just have no faith at all in it. Yeah. When, when yeah, somebody consider, when somebody considers doing something like that, I, I explained to them that Bitcoin isn't just some like, I, I don't view it as a speculative asset. Like a lot of people do. I view it as just money. It, it just is money to me. Um, so I, I try and encourage them to view it from that standpoint, um, to treat it as that. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the volatility is something that a lot of people bring up and are concerned about, but like the four-year cycles are pretty crazy. Uh, and so if you have the appetite to, the ability to hold, because like people are not going to be spending their 401k money, they might borrow against that, but you can do that with like BlockFi or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's like my stepdad bought Bitcoin and he's all concerned about the ups and downs of it. And it was like, well, you know, what it saw the tweets that um, during the presidential election that like four years ago, it was trading at $400 uh, or $600. Um, yeah. And it was trading somewhere around like 12. And that's just like the power of those four year cycles. So is pretty wild. There's this, um, this dude that's like oh, there's some famous investor guy or something, but he has this phrase that I really like where he says Bitcoin is a schmuck insurance, mm -hmm. right? And I think I use that a lot when I'm trying to explain it to people that just don't, you know, don't get it at all, don't understand why. And I say, look, this is, you know, insurance in case, you know, all this big financial setup we have now in case this doesn't work out, you know? This is the alternative. It's, you know, uncorrelated, you know, it's, this is, this is your backup plan, you know? And, and so I, I use that term a lot to try and explain it to people when they're very stuck in that traditional finance monetary sort of mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's always a fun conversation, definitely. And it's one thing that's interesting is the, the light bulb, it's not something that you can kind of, I think, talk people into that having that light bulb moment. They have to find it out themselves somehow. And that's, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, well, yeah, where, where are some good places that people can find your work and follow you? Yeah, so um, I have that course up on Udemy. Oh, if it's all right with you, I have a coupon code for anyone awesome. listening. Yep. Yeah, so, so that is Tucson BTC all one word, all caps, and that'll get you the course for like 12 bucks. Right. Um, so there's course. that coupon code. Thanks. Yeah, I really enjoyed making it. I think it's quality material. It's, um, yeah, if someone's looking to actually use crypto, I think that gives you the base of what you need to, mm -hmm. to do so well. Um, so yeah, I have um, that course up on Udemy. We're busy working on the Spanish language version of that course. No promises oh. on when that will be out, but it yeah. is in production. So that'll be interesting to test that market. Um, and then um, on my website, uh, so I'm on Twitter, uh, you know, Han Rosenberg, I think H. Michelle Rose is my Twitter handle, uh, velascommerce.com. I have two resources page, two resource pages up there. Um, one is just for crypto commerce. Um, and then the other is just all things blockchain tech, right? And there's probably like 300 links up on that page in various different categories from security to, you know, usability to legality, et cetera. Um, yeah, so that's all at velascommerce.com. And I'm on Twitter and then, you know, LinkedIn. I have a Medium account, which I occasionally post things to. But yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Please let me know when the Spanish version comes out. Cause yeah. we have a lot of yeah. Spanish speakers in Tucson. Oh, awesome. 
Yeah. yeah. So we, we've been recording it here. This is our studio and we still nice. have about half of it to record. Yeah. I'm very lucky. My husband's a Spanish speaker, so he's the oh, awesome. Spanish language presenter. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. 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 Well, so I, I would love to have that out by the end of the year, but no yeah, and if anybody hasn't checked out Udemy, you got it's just so much good stuff on there. Um, if you want to learn how to build a website or accept Bitcoin with uh, Hannah's uh, Udemy course, I, I yep. I've been enjoying it for sure. It's awesome. and twelve ninety nine. Yeah, Udemy's good. Like, stuff. like it's the cost of like a burrito. So for to learn how to change <laughs> yes. your life for the better. <laughs> Yeah. And to, to give yourself all the knowledge you need to, to, you know, have, you know, this entire new financial options for yourself. It's really, I think for businesses too, I think accepting it is, is kind of a no brainer. Um, mm -hmm. And it is a hedge against, you know, how things, if things might go badly. Um, and just to have that, that system in place and ready in case, you know, things don't go well and they're looking a bit iffy. Yeah. I don't know. I think things look pretty stable personally. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, in what regards? I mean, um, the sun came out today. Yeah, <laughs> sun came out, weather's nice. It's like, well, it's probably not nice where you're at. It's 81 in Tucson. The sun is out, which makes it nice. That's my bar for nice weather in Chicago. Is there sunshine? Yes. Okay, good. Nice day. <laughs> but yeah. Nice. Well, I appreciate you coming on. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Thanks for having me. That was a really fun conversation with Hannah. And yeah, I'll post the link in the description of where you can go and get the course for uh, $12.99, the cost of uh, super nachos or burrito. Um, but yeah, it was a fun conversation. And I, I think it's a no-brainer. If you're a business, it's really good to accept Bitcoin. One, because the system hates you. They hate small businesses. It's just very apparent from the regulations to you know, the way the stimuluses work to the shutdowns. Like, you know, people in Washington don't really care about you and they don't care about normal people. And if they did, we wouldn't have this horrible monetary system that punishes people for being poor um, or not being invested in their Ponzi scheme assets. But uh, yeah. Um, if you like what I'm doing with the podcast, uh, would love your support. You can support me on Patreon. You can send me Bitcoin. Um, make it really easy. Just go to my website at TucsonBlockchain.com and uh, you can find all my stuff there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the best way to support is me is just to get the word out there. Tell your friends, um, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, if you're new to Bitcoin, you're no coiner. Um, and you're interested, I'm happy to have a conversation. Just reach out to me on Twitter at the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast or, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm trying to be everywhere. So, you know, I'm, I'm more uh, active on Twitter. But, yeah, you can reach out to me all over the place. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you um, because, you know, I want to see my community do better. I want to see people feel empowered in a time that's just like really difficult so uh appreciate you listening to the podcast and hope you have a good one